I have everything I need here. Yeah, I do. Scared me for a minute. Thought you thought you were getting out here in about two minutes, right? No. You knew that would happen. It's cold out there. Amen. Matthew chapter 26. I think I'd remember. I just read this, right? Uh, Matthew 26. Yesterday, I guess yesterday afternoon, last night, I don't know when it was, uh, what time it was, but uh, there's a football team people like called the Kansas City Chiefs. Around here they like them. There's another team that they don't like, we don't like around here called the Miami Dolphins. The only thing I like, we like about Miami is they're from a nice warm place. And, uh, but uh, they played football last night. I don't know if anybody was aware of that or if anybody even watched it or any cared. I don't know. Uh, I just heard about it. And uh, the, you should have seen that stadium. I saw a picture of it this morning. Negative eight degrees. Packed. Packed. No, I mean, there's some empty seats. Don't get me wrong. I guess at halftime, some people left and stuff. So the article said, but, well, it's pretty full, wasn't it? And what were they doing? They were going out. I, I mean, there's all sorts of of uh, applications and analogies we can pull here out of this. But it is amazing to me that when we love something, the way we show our gratitude. And one of the ways that the fans of the Kansas City Chiefs showed their gratitude for this team that they love is that they walked out into a stadium at negative 8 degrees, bundled up for hours, hours, and sat about a mile away from the field, some of them, just to say they were there and watched with great joy and no doubt are talking about it today. Why? They have, it's their gratitude. It really is. It's, a, it's, an, it's an action of gratitude. You know, we live in a really selfish time, don't we? we don't, I don't have to spend a lot of time on that. And I, I think it's not too hard for us to know as a believer, as a, as a child of God, I don't think it's a, it's a real, um, you know, it's like a, this is a real heavy new truth that you're learning here this morning. But uh, the truth is that we ought to live a life of gratitude. Amen? We really ought, Hold on. Let me try it. I know it's cold. This will warm you up. Okay? Participation sport. If you, if you play along, you'll be warmer. I trust you. <laughs> gratitude should mark the life of a child of God. Amen? Okay. Amen. Thank you. That's, it's, it's just, that's easy. That's, that's not even deep theology. You don't have to go, I don't know if I should say amen here. I might sound dumb. Right? And uh, that was an easy one, okay? You know, but we, we live a life, we should live a life of gratitude. Just the nation that we live in. Our forefathers risked everything. They risked their life. They risked their, uh, their possessions. They risked their posterity. They risked everything on this experiment that we call the United States of America. And I think as Americans, we ought to have gratitude for what was, has been given to us, right? Uh, they've given us the greatest constitution, a form of government, I believe, that we have on the planet. They've given us a republic, they've said, if we can keep it, right? They've guaranteed us liberty. Uh, I, I think we owe... A debt of gratitude. I can't believe I would have ever said this, but I think uh, John F. Kennedy was correct when he said famously, it's not what you can do for your co- what your country can do for you, it's what you can do for your country. I think that was a great line. It's truth. It's absolutely. It is an, it is an attitude of gratitude that says that, you know, I want to I show my gratitude by what I do, not by what, by, by what I get. Right. And so... Gratitude from a child of God is yet on another level. 
We are thankful for what God has given us. We are thankful for a nation that we are allowed to be a part of. But as a child of God, our gratitude is beyond our forefathers. It is, be, it, it, it is beyond uh, the Constitution and the Republic that we've been given. It goes beyond all of those before us. Our gratitude goes directly to our Heavenly Father. No, it's not something that is temporal that we have in this world. Our gratitude is something that is eternal, that we will forever be living in the joys and the wonders of our Heavenly Father. It's an amazing thought to think about. And when we think about it and when we meditate upon it, it should well up within us this, this gratitude for everything that we have been giving. Listen, our gratitude is something eternal. It's eternal. But you notice this about gratitude as well. Gratitude must be put on display. Gratitude eventually gets put on display. Absolutely. It's not hung up in a closet. It's, it's not hidden in a drawer. It's not kept in your safe. Right? Gratitude is on display. And so often it's on display for all to see. I don't know how many millions of people, maybe not many, maybe a million people watched the football game last night. And you know what they saw? The gratitude of those fans sitting in the, sitting in the crowd for everybody to see. For everybody to see. And see in our text this morning in Matthew 26, this is exactly what this woman did. Her love... And her gratitude could not be suppressed. It could not be put in a closet. It could not be put in a shelf. It could not be put in a safe. She had to show it. And it was astounding to see. We still marvel at it today, you know. We still read this passage. And maybe your mind goes back to want to try to picture in your own mind what that must have looked like. I don't know if you maybe think about this passage and go, I wonder what all of the different faces looked like. I wonder what Judas looked like. I wonder what Peter looked like and wanted to say. You know he wanted to say something. I wonder what, I wonder what uh, John thought. I wonder if John thought, oh, that's wonderful. And Judas went, mm. I mean, it's, it's an incredible scene. It really is. And see... He, here he is, he's just a couple days from his crucifixion. He's just a few days from going uh, on uh, to the cross. He's, he's eating dinner, the Bible says here, at Simon the leper's house. And, and it, it was an occasion. The disciples were there. Others were there. Jesus is there. Lazarus is there. They're, they're, they're sitting at a place where they're not going anywhere for a little while, right? They're sitting there for some time. They're going to eat some food. They're going to fellowship, right? And what did she do? She seized an opportunity. She recognized an opportunity. And, and she seized the opportunity to show her gratitude for what God had done in her life. While Jesus was at a place of relaxing, at a place of visiting, she took that opportunity in a most astounding way. Not only did she recognize this opportunity and take it, but would you notice in the text we've read it here, it was an open venue. It was not in a closet. It was not in a hidden way. It was not in the Garden of Gethsemane, hidden away with just a few. She did it out in the open. She did it. It was an open venue. This wasn't a private thing. You know, people say, well, my relationship with God is, is a private matter. Uh, I'm sorry about that. That's sad. Actually, you don't have much gratitude. Anyway, I don't want to get ahead of it, right? She took an open venue. To, she wasn't, listen, she wasn't ashamed 
of what she was and what Christ had made her. She wasn't ashamed to show the love and the gratitude to the Lord Jesus Christ in a most outrageous way in front of everybody. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. I'm telling you, gratitude, listen, it doesn't care what others think. It doesn't care. This woman here, she, she recognized the opportunity. She chose an open venue. And if you'll notice here what she did, the offering was absolutely outrageous. Verse 7, there came into him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat, as he sat at meat. Now, I don't know, you catching the scene here? They're just eating. They're fellowshipping. They're having a good time. They don't really know what's coming up in a few days. Jesus does. And in walks this lady. Another one of the, one of the uh, gospels tells us it's Mary. And she walks in. And the Bible says here that she takes this alabaster box. Alabaster was a species of marble. It's quite costly. The box itself was quite costly. Uh, the, the alabaster was used in the temple, of Solomon's temple. And she took the, they, they, would, they would take this alabaster, and from what I read historically, they, they would hone, you know, hone this thing out. And some say it was even made into a flask-like type of an object. And then it was sealed up. No, they, they wouldn't have put a cork in it, right? It was totally sealed up. And the only way to get into the, what was into that, that box, the Bible says, that flask, whatever it is, was to break it. <clears throat> now, it was marble, so it wouldn't have broken like glass. It wouldn't have been too dangerous, right? But it was, it, it was, it was broken. Kind of outrageous method. I'm, I'm looking at this. I think of all of the things of the offering that this woman brought. This show of gratitude for what Christ had done with her. I think of all of the, what she did. It was absolutely and totally and completely outrageous. The container, yes, it was a little bit outrageous. The very container itself. The method that was taken to, to pour this upon the Lord Jesus Christ was rather outrageous and it had to be broken. Listen, it was an all or nothing. It, it was one of these things that there was no turning back. No, there was no return. She didn't have just a little thing that she could puff around and, you know, and anoint him. And he's, you know, no, this, listen, she broke this thing. And she had poured the entire contents out upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I know there's some, some, some dis, uh, disagreements whether there's two occasions that this happened or one occasion that this happened. And uh, it is my opinion, I could be changed, but it is my opinion these, every one of these Gospels is describing the same thing. And at one point this says so much, it seems at one point where, where uh, it describes that she's even washing using her hair to anoint his feet with the ointment. It, it seems to me that this entire flask was poured out upon his head and it ran down upon his old body and as she was taking it, she put it on his feet. It was, a, it was an outrageous, an outrageous method, a way of giving an offering and showing gratitude to the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody had done this. Don't zone out here. This is huge. This has application. Nobody, nobody has shown love like this to the Lord Jesus Christ like this woman did. You see, the ointment itself was pretty outrageous. 
The Bible calls it spike nard. A nard is a derivative of a tree that you'll find in the Himalayans, that you'll find in India, that you'll find in some parts of Asia. Very costly, very rare. The Bible even goes on to say that it was there was 300 pence over, at least over 300, 300 pence worth of this ointment. I don't know if you understand this, and I don't know how much uh, the average uh, wage is today in, in the United States. I, I don't know if average is 30000 40000 50000 I think probably average might be forty to 50000 anymore. I mean, it's crazy. I remember that sounded like a ton of money. I remember a buddy of mine, his first job, he made $280 a week. And I remember thinking, what would you do with all that? <laughs> right? You could live on 200 bucks a week. Could you imagine? Right? No, this, 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 this alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, had a value of a year's salary. You think about that. You, you, take, you find something in your house that has been maybe passed on from generation to generation. Find that, find that object, whatever it is, that is worth fifty and $60,000. And you tell me how quickly you're going to bring that to the house of God and say, here, Lord, I want you to have it and walk away from it. Boy, you'd think a little bit. No, you couldn't take it back, Right? Here, Lord, I want you to use my vehicle for the glory of God while I drive it. I mean, I mean, that's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the same as what she did. Yeah. She gave it all. It was absolutely, completely outrageous. The Bible says that the aroma filled the room. I love that. I, I, I absolutely love that. It was the, the, the smell itself, the aroma itself was outrageous. There was no other aroma like the aroma of nard. Everybody would have known exactly what it was. I've been to Israel and the, and the, the smells of their, their spices and their cleaning, uh, whatever they clean with and air freshen the rooms with, it's so distinct, it's so different. It's like nothing that we have here in the United States. I was in a hotel, oh, I don't even know where I was Birmingham, Alabama, maybe. I forgot where I was. I was, I was somewhere in that. I'm seeing it in my mind. I'm trying to remember the hotel was. And the, the, it was a fairly nice hotel. And the lady working up at the front, I could smell her perfume. I said, that's Middle Eastern. And she goes, oh, yes. I, said, I, I mean, it just clicked. I was in Israel immediately when I smelled that. It's so distinct. And to these people, that smell would have been so distinct. And the Bible says that, that, that the aroma filled the room. There was nothing like that smell anywhere. Can I tell you something? There is something about being in the presence of someone who openly shows gratitude to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this is why some churches have an aroma about them that others don't? Can I tell you this is why some churches have an aroma that just attracts people? That people just want to be around it. No, they don't visit and leave and visit and leave. They come and they just got to be around. Why? There's an aroma of gratitude there. There is something that is so distinct and so lovely and so beautiful. They just want to stay. They just don't want to go away. You've been in the presence of somebody like that, I'm sure. You don't want to leave them. Real heart gratitude, I'm telling you. It leaves an aroma that is unmistakable. And can I tell you this morning, when God's people are loving Him with open gratitude, it's an aroma that fills the entire place. Absolutely. And it's missing in our nation. It's missing in our churches. It's missing in our lives. It, we're, we're missing a gratitude. It was outrageous. 
It was outrageous. It was open. Notice this also, would you? It was openly accepted. Could you imagine wondering if God would ever accept your gratitude? No, there's some people in this world, they may not accept your gratitude. I mean, no, there's some people, it's never enough. It's never enough. Right? Not with the Lord. You know what he said? If you gave a cup of water in my name, you'll not lose your reward. Right? Don't you love that? Why? What is God responding to? He's responding to a heart. Yeah. He's responding to a heart. Can I tell you, there's always going to be those that scoff. There's always going to be the goes that go, you have to go to church today? You got to dress like that? You can't drink that? You can't watch that? No, I can do whatever I want, friend. <laughs> right? We can do whatever we want. We are, we are free moral agents, right? But, it, but, but listen, we have a heart that's been changed by God that desires to do these things. No, there's always going to be scoffers that don't understand the way we live because they don't have a relationship with the God of heaven, right? And you're always going to find those. Can I tell you this? Just keep distance, right? Don't let them affect you. But watch this. When love is showered on Jesus, it will always be accepted. He will always want it. You know what Jesus, you know who he did rebuke? He rebuked the scoffer. He rebuked the Judas. He rebuked the one that was questioning. He, he rebuked the one that was trying to pose himself as more spiritual than this, this whatever she was of doing this stupid thing of wasting a full year's salary that could have been given to the poor. Blah. You could care less about the poor. Amen. We know that. Yeah. He rebuked. He rebuked Judas. Leave her alone, he said. I like that. That's what Jesus says to your scoffers. Leave him alone. Leave her alone. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you shower on Jesus, listen to me, it's always going to be accepted. Man doesn't have to know your heart. People don't have to have to know your heart. God knows your heart. It may be little. It may be worth $60,000. It might be worth $6 doesn't matter. It's the heart. We'll get there here in a little bit. You see, he, 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 he spoke a prophetic promise to her. I mean, this is how huge this was to the Lord Jesus. He said, I'm telling you, this isn't going to... You did it openly, right? You did it openly, and I'm going to make sure that the, 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 the rest of humanity, whoever picks up my word and comes through Matthew and Mark and, and, and John and reads this, they are going to know from here to the end of time what you did for me. Wow, I think that's, I think that's an open reception. Amen. I love that. 2,000 years, and here we are. We're still talking about it. Yeah. It was openly accepted. Would you notice also, there was obvious intention. This wasn't an accident, right? She, she, didn't, she didn't go thinking, oh, well, now let me see if I can get something returned. She had, she had, she had one intention and one <coughs> only, was to, in some way, the, a way that she could, extravagantly, opulently, outrageously show gratitude to the one who rescued her. What a scene, isn't it? What a startling scene it is. The opportunity was seized. It was an open venue. It was an outrageous offering. 
It was openly accepted. Her intentions are obvious. She loved Jesus. And she wanted to show it. She wanted, hey, she loved Jesus and she wanted everybody to know that I love him. I love him. No, I know the religious crowd, they're trying to kill him. I, I, know, I know the religious crowd, they don't like him. I know the, the hypocrites, they're, they're mocking him. But I love him. I love him because of what he did for me. It's obvious by her actions. It's obvious by the response of those that were watching, that, watch, that she loved Jesus more than some others loved Jesus. <gasps> don't say that. Well, it's true. Yeah. Can I tell you what, what Luke said over in Luke 7.47 about this, scenario, this, this scene right here? He recorded Jesus saying this, Wherefore I say unto you, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Obviously, the Lord Jesus has pointed out, some love in a greater measure than others. Some love Jesus more than others. Some show more gratitude than others. Yeah. It's obviously that there are levels of the way we love the Lord Jesus back. No, there's never a difference in how God loves us. Thank the Lord for that. But there, yes, there is a difference in how we love Him back. John 21, 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? People have all sorts of speculation what the these was speaking of. I think the simplest, I like, I usually like the simplest explanation. Yeah, okay, I like to dive into the weird ones sometimes, but the simplest are the best, right? What, what was he looking at? 156 fishes. He's a fisherman, right? His nets, his fish, his boat. Lovest thou me more than this money? It's his livelihood, it's his identity. Do you love me more than these, Peter? It was easy. He can go out and fish. Ministry's not easy. Working's easy. Yeah. Peter, do you love me more than these? Obviously, the Lord Jesus was, was revealing here that there are levels. There are levels in which we love Him. Not that He loves us, but which we love Him back. Peter, do you love me more than these? Yeah. You can't gloss over this. Because what, what did He say to Peter? Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed the little ones and feed the old ones. Feed the children and feed the adults. Can I tell you something strange about fishermen? You don't feed sheep fish. <laughs> Jesus told a fisherman to feed my sheep. Well, it wasn't going to be with the fish, right? I'm sorry, you, you, we cannot get around this. We can try if we may, but we can't get around it. You cannot, you cannot get past that love is manifest in obedience. Sorry. Well, God knows my heart. I, yeah, He does. I don't. I'm just telling you what is obvious from the Word of God. No, a bunch of service doesn't mean a person loves God. No, we know that. But to have a life that struggles uh, so hard just to, just to obey the little things, 
You can't tell me that that person is fully in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about the daily struggles. Hey, I, I, know, I, know, what you're, I know what you're thinking. Well, hey, uh, the church at Ephesus, that, you know, you've left your first love, Jesus said. And, and I know what we know. They were doing and doing and doing. And they were still doing the right things and contending against the wrong things. And Jesus knew their heart that, that they had left their first love. I, listen, I know that. I know that the, the outward actions of what looked like obedient don't determine what the heart is. But I also know the flip side of that is a life that's absence of obedience uh, does reveal where the heart is. Yeah. If you love me, keep my commandments. No, argue with him. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just reading it. Oh, John 14, 15, if you're wondering what that is. You can go look it up later. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. What does more love look like? We've been looking at the theme this year, the beginning of the year of more. I don't know if you knew the title last week. It was more, more. <laughs> you like that? But this morning, more love. What does more loving look like? Well, let me ask you this. What does God's love look like? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he, what? Gave. He gave all. Watch, he gave the need and he gave what went beyond the need. He could have, listen, he could have just redeemed us. He could have just gave an atonement, he shed his blood for the atonement. The atonement could be applied, our spirit could be alive. We could have been reconciled with him and he could have, that could have been the end of it. And it would have been wonderful. But Jesus says, I came to give you an abundant life, more abundant. The Son of Man has set you free. You're free indeed. Right. He has given us so much more. Right, I mean, what love? What does love look like? It looks like giving. Right, he gave John fourteen thirty one. But the but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Jesus said the evidence that Jesus loved his Father was that he obeyed and did what his Father gave him to do. John fourteen twenty one. Jesus goes on to say, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. Look at this. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. No, this is why God feels so distant to so many today. He said, I'll manifest myself to him. Oh, I pray for people at times. God, would you make, the, make yourself real to them? Would you make yourself real to them? Do you know why sometimes God isn't real in our life? Because we're so far away from obedience. We're so far away from just loving God back. And Jesus says, if you just love me and keep my commandments, my Father would love you and I'd manifest myself to you. Oh God, I just need your presence. Why don't you start going back in a checklist and seeing where the obedience has stopped. Yeah. What does God's love look like? Number two, what does it look like when we love God? What does it look like when we love God? Well, it kind of looks like this woman with the alabaster box. 
What a great, what, I mean, could we have asked for a better illustration of what love looks like? She gave it all. She gave it in front of all. She wasn't ashamed of it. She gave it in a way that she could show gratitude. I'm thinking of the time when David, he had sinned and, and numbering the people and uh, the people were dying and God said he, he had to go and, and offer a sacrifice and he, and he ran and he found the threshing floor there and he found, he found uh, Ornan and he, and he told Ornan, I, I need to buy this from you. I've got a sacrifice sacrifice to God. He said, oh no, I'll give it. And David said, no, I'm not going to give anything to God that doesn't cost. Well, I like that right there. And, and he says, I, 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 I'll buy it from you and I need to make a sacrifice. And or, what did Ornan say? He says, I've got the oxen and I have the instruments and the threshing floor. And at the end of it all, when Ornan understood that David was going to sacrifice unto God, Ornan said, I give it all. I give it all. This is what giving looks like. This is what gratitude looks like. Give it all. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. All of it. Absolutely. He has access to it all. Access to it all. We know what God, you know what it looks like when God loves us. But what does it look like when we love God? Obedience. And watch this. Beyond obedience. Listen. Jesus didn't ask this woman to do this. This was beyond obedience. This, this went to a, a heart to reveal gratitude. Boy, this is a different level here. The Bible says I lost the... You can go look it up later. I didn't write it down. But it says we have those things that we ask of Him. If we keep His commandments... Watch this. And do those things that are pleasing in His sight. There's one thing to be obedient. And that's a great starting point. It shows your love. But then here we have this, this woman here. More love. She went from a place of just obedience to a place of extravagant gratitude that she wanted everybody to see. How much do you love Jesus this morning? How much do you love Him? How visible is your love to the lost world? You know, our love really is manifest in three ways. It's manifest in time. It's manifest in energy. And it's manifest in money. Strangely enough, those are the same three elements of worship. Time, energy, money. Your time. You know why so many people today struggle with being faithful to assembling in the house of God? Because going to church is for them, not for Jesus. Absolutely. You know what I wish? I just wish one day some of these people would go wake up in the morning on a Sunday morning or from a nap Sunday afternoon or after a nap on Wednesday afternoon or work or whatever would just get up and say you know I it, it, it may be the same songs it may be the same three songs and it might be the same time that we take the offering it might be the same time that we shake hands and it might be the same scripture reading and it might be the same old boring stuff but I don't care I want to go because the lover of my soul wants me to go yeah more love more love 
You know why it becomes boring? You know why it becomes a drudgery? Because, because like, like those in the stadium, you're going for yourself and not for the one who loves you. It's not an act of gratitude. It's not an act of love. It's not an act of obedience. Hey, listen, if you're going to love the Lord Jesus, it requires your time. Loving God requires time. Loving God requires energy. The Apostle Paul called himself a servant of Jesus Christ. And you know, can I tell you, it takes energy to get on a ship and to travel. Can I take you, to, it takes energy to get on a plane and uh, go all over the world and, and get off and on and off and on and off and on, a car and a truck and a bus. And a, I mean, it takes energy to, to travel the world. It takes energy to get stoned to death, right? It takes energy to do that. It takes energy to be put in prison. It takes energy to disciple and train believers. It takes energy to come to church and to sing to go soul winning hey listen it takes energy loving God requires energy time energy this is what really gets people excited now here it is it takes money friend it takes money your money my money it takes money takes money to print gospel tracts, doesn't it? It takes money to send missionaries around the world. It takes money to take care of a pastor. It takes money to have lights and phones and buildings and, and websites and all of these things. Listen, loving God takes money. It does. You know how some people show gratitude? Here's five bucks. Here's three dollars. I'm not. I'm not talking. They're giving out of their poverty, like the the widow woman when Jesus said she gave all. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. Talking about when your cable bill is higher than your tithe. I don't even know how much cable costs. I don't even know if anybody has cable. No, I did. I've heard it's like 150 to 200 dollars a month. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a lot of cheeseburgers. Listen, this isn't a checklist of how to love God. These are normal acts of one who is in love with Jesus. Right? These are just, it's a rule maybe to see. It is an evidence, it's a thermometer or a barometer or whatever you want to call it. Maybe to measure to see where we are. Yeah. But friend, the fact is, we love back and the way we love back is actually measurable. It's measurable. Yeah. Do you know why this little woman loved more than the others? Now, the Lord didn't tell us. I mean, there may have been somebody else who loved just like this. But there is definitely, listen, the definite uh, inference here, the definite application is she did more than some others. Definitely did more than Judas. Can we argue about Judas? I mean, Judas isn't doing anything, right? <laughs> Why'd she love like this? I read earlier Luke seven forty seven. right? Wherefore I say unto thee, speaking of this, I believe it's speaking of this same woman, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. 
Lester Roloff said, you just love Jesus more if you sinned more. He said, I'm not telling you to sin more. I'm saying if you, if you really saw your sin as it really was, you'd love him more. But some people think they're just doing okay. It would be a good exercise to remember every day where you were when God rescued you. No, it would be a good thing every morning if we woke up and we looked back to where we were and where we have been. No, it would be a good thing to look back even while we were in Christ Jesus, the sins that came into our life and the walking away from Him that came into our life and the backsliding that came into our life. And maybe we're right with God today and we can say, boy, you look back there and you see how, how, how God had mercy and grace and, and brought you along. Boy, it helped you to love Him a little bit. It absolutely would. Do you know when God found you? I don't care if, I mean, you always knew who you are. Don't get me wrong there. Uh, but it, where, where, where you recognize your need for Him. Listen, where, when He found you, you, do you know you were on your way to hell? Oh, but I was five years old. No, you were on your way to hell. Oh, but I was only seven. You were on your way to hell. Well, I hadn't heard the gospel yet. Well, you were on your way to hell when He found you. Absolutely. Well, you were a sinner by nature. You know what that meant? You, there is nothing that you could have done about it. You couldn't have changed anything. You couldn't have made yourself righteous before God. You couldn't have made yourself acceptable before God. You were a sinner by nature. And if that bothers you, fine. You are a sinner by choice. You have chosen to sin. You are a sinner. You, and, hey, listen, if, and if you are real with yourself and honest with yourself, there have been times in your life when you have just loved your sin more than you've loved God. Hey, no, it would be good for you to remember where you were. It'd be good for you to remember how your life was a mess when He found you. When He revealed Himself, when the Gospel came to you. It would be good for you to remember what a mess your life was. Maybe you were trapped in addiction. Maybe your life was blowing up. And you deserved everything you were getting. And He showed up. Out of grace and love. And said, hey, I want you. I can fix that. Maybe you're in a family that made no priority of you hearing the gospel. That he orchestrated a way for you to get the gospel. Out of love. Listen, he rescued you. He rescued me. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. Can I tell you something? God loved you more. Listen, He loves you more than anybody. It is not possible for anything or anybody to love you more than God. It's not possible. But what about you? Will you love Him more? Will you love Him more? Last week we saw that we are created in a world, we are created, God created a world that produces and grows. We, we saw with the, the parable of, 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 of the, the three servants and the talents they were given that God wanted his, his investment to grow, right? <clears throat> the ones who, who took and did more with what they were given, God called them good and faithful, not prosperous, faithful. With the one who did nothing with what he was given, God called him wicked and slothful. It was a spiritual condition. 
Just sitting on your lees is a spiritual condition. It's a character issue. But of all the obedience in the world, it's empty if it's not out of a heart of love. No, I want us to do more in 24. (laughs) I want us to do more. Absolutely as a church. I want us to do more. But before we do anything else more, we've got to make sure we have more in the heart first. More love to thee, O Christ. More love to thee. Yeah. I want to love them more this year. I want to love them more. What about you? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of more love? Yeah, amen. He is. He is. More love. It was outrageous. It was open. Yeah. It was accepted openly. <laughs> what, have you, what are you doing for the Lord Jesus? How about, how about we just start in obedience? That'd be a good spot. May God move us this year. May our heart move us this year to go even beyond obedience. But just move to a place like this woman here. That we'd show our love and our gratitude for the Lord Jesus in such a way that yes, 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 some may even question and go, really? That don't seem right. <laughs> yeah. More love. What about you this year? Will you love him more? No, it, it, takes, it takes purpose. It takes determination. It takes choices. It cha- Listen, it takes meditation and a memory of what he's done for us. Love him more. Our Father, our heart ebbs and flows all the time. There are things that come up in our life that we allow to take a priority that takes our heart from you. I mean, you even said it of Solomon. All of these, these foreign wives, these ungodly wives that he brought into his house, you even said it, it took his heart from you. How would we think that it's not possible for our heart to be taken by this world or by something else? And Father, you're worth much more than that. You deserve much more than that. You saved us. You rescued us. You redeemed us. You've given us an abundant life. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on. Father, I believe everybody listening today would say from their own heart, I don't know what it's going to look like this year. I don't know how it will express itself. I don't even have anything on my mind of what what it may look like. But I know this. I want to love you more. I think that's the heart cry of many that are listening and watching and here today. Father, we ask your Holy Spirit would keep this embedded upon the very front of our mind. That as we wake up tomorrow and the next day and the next day. We'd have it upon our heart, more love to the O Christ, 
more love to thee. Lord, would you do a work in our church this year? Would you do a work in our hearts? Lord, it might be a year of more, more than we've ever seen or done before, more than we've ever experienced before. But first and foremost, more love to thee. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? The instrument is going to play. The invitation is, is open at this